0: I'm just a believer of like real and practical things and I think those can be a conversation for families and staff to start to say like yeah we are on our way here. We are trying in these areas and we are seeing some success. Our job as parents and or support teams is to just help them engage all of those places And that could be like a hello, a wave, a smile. I'm not saying like we're best friends with everyone we've walked by, but so often I see this theme of, oh, we have to get out into the community. And my answer is always, you've you've never left. (laughs) It's always where you are.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Special Hope Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Brody, and today I'd like to welcome to the show a new friend of mine, Kara Milne. Kara is the owner of Empowered Planning, an award-winning business that has been promoting positive and valuable roles for people who are vulnerable for over 15 years. Kara provides training and consulting that is innovative and practical for both agencies and families. Kara's book and training seminars encourage staff and families to see the strengths of their existing services and simple strategies that create positive changes in the lives of children and adults with developmental disabilities. Kara's positive and energetic approach supports both common sense and sustainable change. Kara is the proud author of the book, Building Community, Practical Ways to Build Inclusive Communities for People Who Are Vulnerable. And today we'll be talking through Kara's book. So Kara, welcome to A Special Hope. Oh, it's awesome to be here. We're so glad to have you. So tell me, how did you get started working in the disability field? I understand this is uh, a a good story, so I'm excited to hear it yeah it is a story it's uh
0: and the quick answer actually is i got in the field by accident but the story behind it is actually so i grew up um here in calgary alberta and uh really had no connection to anyone with a disability it it wasn't really talked about in my school or my family and we were in a big city so it's not that i was sheltered per se just wasn't part of the world I was in I was registered I was taking university courses and actually thought I was going to be more of like a social worker and so I registered in a rehab class and I thought that was drug addiction didn't realize it was actually called rehabilitation and that was actually working with people with developmental disabilities. So I'm in this class and um, I'm thinking, oh, this I don't know this world. I I don't even, I've never even met anyone with a disability. And, or so I thought actually, in hindsight. (laughs) But anyways, that was where I was at in my, youth and uh so but the course was um a short course and then it was actually a 6 week practicum experience so it was kind of both in one semester and i was assigned to swim with kiddos with significant developmental disabilities so i'm i'm literally totally overwhelmed and i was assigned to a little boy and thinking i i don't know this is not for me like i he i'm going to hurt him or what i just had a <laughs> You can imagine the fear in the And um, so, anyways, I, somehow I get him in the pool and I'm holding on to him, and all of a sudden he yells in his biggest voice, the whole pool, She's gonna drown me! Oh, no. And um, I, I will say, like, forever I was changed. He, uh, he was joking and he was really funny. He was just this witty, witty, uh, charming little nine year old boy. And he just teased me relentlessly and he was such a blast and I always like so many things have come from that story and um I often start a lot of my training and my workshops on the story because I think it's so great but one is it's funny but it um I think shows a couple key things one is that I kind of had this stereotype of working with any kiddo with a disability and very quickly got to know him and Mm. that kind of that stereotype came down so like the little boy kind of Sean through and then the stereotype of what i thought he was came down mm-hmm. um and so yeah i just spent time getting to know him and we had a blast and i just was i was curious after that and i literally changed careers because of him i literally was like quite intrigued and end up taking another course and another course ended up getting my degree in community rehabilitation and then end up like teaching so i literally it's like you know he, i've been here all this time because of him. Wow.
1: Now, tell me about the stereotypes that you've been brought up with, or that you, yeah, you know, that, that you that you had.
0: I think that it comes, you know, certainly just through oftentimes lack of connection with people. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you have a preconceived idea about who someone is or who who someone's not, and um, certainly in the work that I do, it's about having those personal connections. And I I don't know if this helps, but You know, I always say to um, anyone I'm training, I always say, like, my my interest or my curiosity didn't happen because I watched kids swimming. It Mm. happened because I had a personal connection with one child. Mm. And it's not about just like, oh, I'm watching people with disabilities and therefore intrigued or respectful. It's about I had a relationship with one person. And because of that, I am engaged and in and understanding and seeing like the big picture and the big and who that person is. Wow.
1: I think that's so important, the relationship aspect of things. That's what this entire podcast is about, is building better relationships between people. And whether that's family and ministry leaders or ministry leaders and and people with disabilities or people with disabilities and other people with disabilities, you know. But until we get personal and involved in the lives of these people who are experiencing disability on a daily basis you know for themselves and they live with it every single day until we really engage with them and are intentional about it and and you were not intentionally intentional about it you kind of were forced to be intentional because it was through your class and they're like hey this is what you're going to yeah. do and so now now you had jump to in. right yeah. you literally had literally. to jump in with both feet exactly yeah. and until we do that we'll always be kind of on the outside looking in and making assumptions yeah. about the way things yes. are. And I think,
0: you know, it could be in any context, I think, you know, certainly with that's sort a of church community or a neighborhood community. You know, the only way that stereotypes come down is actually just getting to know one person at a time. And so often, it's just about having the conversation to realize what we have we have more in common than I thought or who that person is or what they like to do. I just, um, in the end, it's just always comes back to that. I think I never, I didn't get in the field because I watched kids swimming. Yeah. I got in the field because one little boy was funny and charming and intrigued me. And I just remember thinking this, this, I think this is for me. Like this is just about being with people. And, yeah. uh, it was like, it was the greatest gift. And yeah, I mean, I wish in hindsight, I, knew like you know had I known at the time it was like this most influential moment I would have
1: like remembered his name and connected with his parents but it just it it just still is the story that I tell right and I think that well what one thing I love about your story is the vulnerability that that's very Mm -hmm. apparent in that you know you kind of had to and again you you didn't really have a choice you had you had to do it but even still there are some who maybe still would have said "Mm, no I this is not I'm not comfortable with this. I can't, I can't do this and drop the class and walked out or, or whatever. So Mm -hmm. I think there's a vulnerability in, in the relationships that we have with people and that we have to be okay with making ourselves vulnerable and getting to know them. Because to be honest, getting to know anybody can be a scary thing you know, and it doesn't yeah, it's matter. It, it's, disability isn't yeah, even it's a really part not, of that. It's just...
0: Yeah, not even really a disability
1: issue in the end, right? Just about being open right. to like, getting to my neighbor. Right, exactly. And being open to to talking to somebody new, and especially somebody who is different. Um, and mm. when we you know, I love what you said about breaking the stereotypes down. You know, when we break down the assumptions, when we get to know people on a personal level, it changes our engagement with them. It changes our mindset about them and who they are and what they represent. Again, not necessarily related to disability, just in general, but especially related to disability. You know, that is that is what that is what drives us in what we do. And so speaking of which, what yeah. would you say you are known for in the work that you do in the disability field? So if someone has yeah. seen your work, what would they remember about what you've said or maybe what you've done? I'm known for hope, at least i I hope I'm known for hope. Um, I love that. And a friend of mine, I'm actually going to be interviewing him for the podcast soon he was teasing me and telling me, you know, I was asking about what topic would he want to talk about? And he's like, I don't know. I really want to talk about hope, but you've got, you know, you've got the corner on that one. Um, Um, you know, which I kind of loved because I thought, oh, okay. I mean, this is what I wanted. I wanted people to know me for, for hope. And it seemed to at least stick with one person. And so, which which I love but so what about okay. you what what would people say you're known for I
0: think I mean yeah that's a good question I have to but I think probably like obviously I I am I, I am a community builder hmm. at heart I that is it is the vein for which it is who I am both in life and at work and um just seeing like the possibilities of all of that I think though for you know I mean it's a good question like what's there's a, probably a few things but I think for this I think of um you know, people will often say to me, you know, I hear phrases like, oh, community inclusion, or they talk about, oh, we want my son to go out into the community or they, you know, phrases about community as a whole. And um, so one of the things I'm known for is to talk about that a little bit more. And I well, my response to any of those conversations is just a reminder of this, mm-hmm. that community is actually where you are that you can't actually go to it and leave it, That it's actually always where you are. Mm. And it is literally like a hula hoop around you or a hula hoop around your child. And and it literally, it, it is at home too. So community is at home. And often parents forget this little nugget that um, literally the things that happen at home are just as important that the things that happen on the street or at school. But I think it's a mindset. I know certainly in all of the organizations I train, Um, It's this belief that community doesn't start till I walk out the front door or till I'm somewhere that looks different. And I I would say, unfortunately, we are missing, we are missing it. Uh, If community is right where I am, that means it's at home, it's at school, it's at church, but it's also uh, on the journey of taking the bus there. It is on the walk I do in the morning. It is literally like at the grocery store, at the hairdresser, it is always where I am. And so rather than focusing on getting someone out into the community, I hear that phrase a lot, I would just say, can we slow down hmm. and recognize that that little person or the adult is always there. Our job as parents and or support teams is to just help them engage all of those places. And that could be like a hello, a wave, a smile. I'm not saying like we're best friends with everyone we've walked by, but so often I see this theme of, oh, we have to get out into the community. And my answer is always, you've you've never left. (laughs) It's always where you are. And that's disability or not, but I, I would just say it's about slowing down and recognizing that you know the conversation I have with my neighbor is just as valuable As another event I might go and do and Mm -hmm. I think it helps us
1: refrain where we begin to look at community yeah that's a really good point I've never heard it quite like that before with my son in therapy I know that you know he loves Steak and Shake and he's gotten gift cards to go to Steak and Shake and so they've had you know community outings where the therapist takes him to Steak and Shake and, you know, and other other times, you know, when he was younger, his therapist would take him to McDonald's, you know, we're going to do a community outing, and we're going to go. Yeah. And it's, you're right, it is this, this yeah. idea of we have to go out, we have to go somewhere. But to get there, you have to go, you have to get in the car, you have to walk through a parking lot where there's other people, and there's other cars, yeah. and all of these different things. So that's fascinating. I I, I love that. And I don't know if this example helps, but I, I mean, I love like go, going out to McDonald's. Like, so it's not about
0: that. That's not invaluable. Like, of course, let's celebrate and have those fun parts. What I want, though, is for any kind of support teams. And this is just, I guess, a message um, to families, especially. But what I see is, you know, I love when someone says we're going to go out to McDonald's. That's fabulous. But I want support teams to understand it's just as valuable to walk with this little guy to the local park. And play and help them connect with the child there mm. meaning that it's or, or the neighbor or, or inviting a child in the home right so the idea that it's just like we don't get a check mark just because we left the house right that that the idea is that it's always fluid it's it's always there and so we can be so much more creative based on that child based on what they want what's who they are but we can also celebrate so many more opportunities I mean, it just opens the gamut about it's not always just going out to those venues. And that's part of it. It just isn't all of it. And you're right. I mean, what I see happening is like, you know, so support team and child are walking to this venue and they don't even consider that the gentleman who just tried to say hello to them on the
1: street is community too. Right. Right. And so, just just to slow down. And we have to be aware of those opportunities along the way. You know, we have to Absolutely. be looking around and be aware of what's around us. Yeah. And that's just good general safety anyway to be aware but being aware of the relationships that are that are taking place maybe not maybe relationship isn't the right word but the community that's taking place in the person who waves at you or maybe who is staring and needs to not be staring but how to engage them and to wave back and to smile and you know all of those things that's a really that's really interesting
0: you know I I love I mean I'm I'm all about Mama's know best always. And, you know, but I've, I just had a conversation with a mom yesterday and she was talking about kind of that feeling of staring. And I, i said, you know, it's hard. And, you know, but she had said to me something like, at least staring is curiosity. It is better than wanting my child to be invisible.
1: Hmm.
0: And, you know, not, not that it's an easy road. And I, I don't, I, I get it. It's hard. But I think to, to keep in mind that a, a community that is at least in, engaged is better than a community that, doesn't even notice Uh, there's a lot there's a lot that needs to happen there's a lot of stereotypes to come down there's a lot of things that need to get better but just to have i guess in the end right to have hope that community is literally always where i am and the small small parts of like eye contact or a wave or a smile are just sometimes as important as the burger and fries
1: at mcdonald's right and and that's something that they'll take with them you know for the rest yeah. of your lives I mean I, I'm not yeah. going to remember specific burgers you know that I that I had but I will remember the person on the street who yeah. you know waved and or, smiled. Or, or the person at the grocery store that always knows my son's name right right that like that and then
0: we we're like oh but it's or it's the person who always asks how we are or it's
1: you know all of those people that we engage with all day long right it's all about it's all about relationships. It has to be. And we're teaching our always- kids to be looking for those relationships. And and I think that kids with any level of disability can mm. can do that. They may not be able to engage. Yeah. They may not be able to wave. They may not be able to smile and say hello. But I think that we should be doing it anyway and modeling it yes. with them and teaching the community that this is our community. And this is where we live. And this is where we go to to eat out on Tuesday afternoons. This is where where we live. And the more that we do that, the more that we take our kids out, the more that we invite them in, the more that we engage with the people around us in home, in neighborhoods, in parks, in restaurants, on trips, on traveling, the more that we engage with people, the more that hopefully the more that they'll see, okay, this is, you are a part of my community too. And and for them to be okay with that. Right, and
0: a model. And I, I guess, you know, Sarah, as I think about like your listeners or who, I mean, its I'm sure there's a, a gamut, but I, I guess I think like if I was talking to families, I would just say like it's keeping that kind of idea in mind because what I, what I hear happening and I don't know if this example is helpful, but a family is working with and connecting with their son was going swimming with kind of like a support team once it, they call it respite. I'm not sure how it happens where you are, but, uh, so it's the idea like a, a support staff comes in like three hours a week or five hours a yes. week. And the idea is just to get the child out, um, help mom and dad have a break and a breather. And it just helps everyone function better. Well, like this, so we were talking about how that was going, and a great young man who was helping their son. It was a super great, kid. But so they're going swimming. And I love that. I love like, yeah, it's it's excellent. But I just so I asked the question, we talk about relationships, but I just said, Do you know if that's that, that support staff has helped your son get to know anybody? Hmm. And what I think I want families to feel confident with is to ask those questions because what can happen is you have support teams keeping your child busy yeah yeah that's great but there's we could just it's not that it's not any harder to make sure that the front desk staff have met your child every week Mm -hmm. or if you're they're aware of other little kids who are also swimming at the same time? I don't know that's going to work. It might not work ever once. We this child may never really connect with other kids. But but if we're not trying, it's never happening. Right. And so it's not about like I came home and met ten people. That's maybe not even going to happen. But but I guess does that make sense? The difference is like just being aware yes. of that different shift of awareness about who else is uh, who else is in this child's life right.
1: all the time, asking that question. Well, what is one thing you would love support teams to know when supporting adults uh, or kids with disabilities yeah. and their families? I'll throw that in there, too. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, yeah, my probably all in that vein. But I
0: think more specifically, you know, if I could, you know, as I get this whole five minutes with people, it's just to say, like, as the support team, whether that's working with children or adults, that I tell staff this all the time. But I would say, like, you're just a guest in that person's life. Right. And, not, and maybe it's a month, maybe it's 10 years. It's not, I'm not talking about the longevity of support. I'm talking about attitude. Mm. And if I'm taking your son swimming, I have to recognize that I'm just a guest in his life. And so my job should actually be to help not only him have fun swimming, but help him be able to connect to others through me. Mm. Because I know I'm not here forever. And so... I want to make sure that if it's at all possible, I can expand his community in any way, shape or form. And I think so often staff don't get that base. They just are like, I'm going to make it fun and I'm going to keep him safe. And I, and I just think we've, it's almost like wasting time Mm. to not also look at who else could be here. Right. Just as an example, you know, I think about like, if you think about my story about how I got in the field and this little guy swimming, And I've reflected on it many times and literally probably why I wrote the book is because what I realized looking back is I was really keen on getting to know him. Right. I was fascinated by him. I'd never really even met anyone with a disability. So I was all about him. But it never occurred to me until years later that I never helped him play with any other kids in the pool. Hmm. And, and that is my, where my heart is now. is like, I never considered my job was actually for him to have, for me to help him support him, all those things. But it was actually to also say to the little boy who also had some supports, would you like to play tag with us? Right. And it, it like, and I guess that is the shift of going from just supports to community building is hmm. who else is in your life and how can I just be part of helping you build that up? And I think, and I think, when we start to see ourselves, you know, certainly as not as families. Obviously, families are not a guest; they're forever. But the, but right. yeah, support teams seeing themselves as a guest,
1: and they have to be intentional about doing that. And yeah. I think one way of doing that is not doing it just when you're with the kids that you're supporting, not just doing it when you're at your job. You know, when right. we are when we are engaged with our own community on our own time. You know, in our own homes, in our own neighborhoods, in our own areas that we gather, you know, the gas station, uh, the grocery store, restaurants that we frequent, yes. you know, if we can be more intentional about building relationships. And I don't mean like best friend kind of, That's true. you know, go out for coffee all the time. I just mean people that you know and that you see that you can feel safe with, that they, you know, make them feel safe with you. To have a regular conversation, you know, when you're when you're in there, um, we lived in a small town in Maryland, and our pastor was really encouraging everyone to kind of do this and branch out and you know get to know your grocery workers and get to know the guy at the gas station, kind of a thing. Well, there was a there there were two gas stations. They were literally right next to each other, but for a long time, one of them was closed down, so there was just the one. And so I went in, and I met a man. Uh, I don't remember. I don't know his ethnicity to, to say. Um, yeah. But anyway, his name was Gary, though, um, in, in our language. And uh, so I met Gary, and he had a really thick accent. But I asked him, you know, I was just, I and you had to go into the store to pay because the, the card thing at the pump didn't work. So I had to go in whenever I got gas in town, which I try not to do because it was so expensive. But You do what you got to do. And sometimes I would actually get gas there just so I could go in, just so I could make this connection with this man, because I don't know, you know, maybe, maybe he needs, maybe he needs a friendly smile, you know, I don't know. So I went in and I met him and his name was Gary. And I have no idea what his last name is. And I doubt I could definitely not pronounce it, but uh, I met him and his son and somebody else there too. And I, I knew their names. And uh, we actually, we moved away a few years ago and we went back to visit. Um, I think I think it may have been the first, maybe the second time we went back to visit. It had been at least a year or more since we'd been back. Yeah. And we stopped in at the gas station and I went in and he was there and he remembered my name. He said, oh, Sarah, yeah. it's so good to see you. Where have you been? Where have you been? I said, we moved, we moved away, uh, which I thought I had told him, but I'm, I'm sure he probably just forgot. But I thought that that was really special Yeah. that he remembered my name. And all I ever did was buy gas and Reese's peanut butter cups. You know, that's all I ever did. I just made that connection with him. And maybe that means nothing, but I think it it means something to make connections with other people, even if they seem mundane and even if they seem trivial and even if they seem like this isn't going to matter in the long run. I think it does matter. Oh, it is the
0: thing that matters. And I just like, I mean, to add to that, um, if it's okay, just to say, you know, people often ask me this other question, and this is in the book, and again, probably one of the key things that people remember from my work, but is they'll say like, how do you know? How do you know when you belong? Right? Not just why, Mm -hmm. but how? And my Mm -hmm. answer to this has, and there's little videos on my website too about this if people want to look at them, but it's, are you noticed? Are you known? And are you missed? So Mm -hmm. noticed is, do people look at my face, like, and smile? You know, do we actually look Mm -hmm. up and look at me? Um, Known is, do you know my name? Like, so when I walk into a room, and lastly, am I missed? Do you notice when I'm not there? Now, Mm -hmm. you could look at those questions, noticed, known, missed. At church, you could look at it, of course, at schools. Like, I'm really hoping kids are noticed, known, and missed at school, but not always. Mm -hmm. You know and I mean? But you could look in that context of neighbors, Are you noticed, known, and missed? As in, like, do neighbors notice when you haven't been around? Do they notice when your garage is up? And I think those questions also then are a place of celebration because, like, I think of your example and it's like this, yes, 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 I was known. Yes, I was noticed. Yes, I was missed. So when we're we're supporting someone who's vulnerable, we can actually then look at those questions again and realize, oh yeah, my son is no noticed and missed at church or or not. And then we can grieve that and keep trying. Or yeah, my son is no noticed missed at school and in my neighborhood or uh, at the store where he loves to go or at the local 7-Eleven. So I think it just helps give us, I, I'm just a believer of like real and practical things. And I think those can be a conversation for families and staff to start to say like, yeah, we are, on our way
1: here we are trying in these areas and we are seeing some success right that is just i love that known noticed and missed yeah. Notice, I, I known, and missed. That. It doesn't, you can make it into So notice. Oh, no, notice, known, and missed. You, it's really, right. you
0: can be, it's not, it's not a test. It's okay. Kind of stepping stones. <laughs> so notice,
1: do you know my face? Known, do you know my name? And missed, do you miss me when I'm not there? I love that. That is absolutely, be- and I think that that's, that's something that's simple for people to yeah. remember too. And I think that whether people have actually thought about it in these terms or not, they know what you're talking exactly. about. We, everyone feels this. I feel it. I feel it for me. Yeah. You know, where, where we live, where we have lived, have I felt noticed? Have I felt known? Have I felt missed? And when the answer to any of those three questions is no, I just want to pause for a moment on the word grief that you mentioned, you know, that we, we should grieve that. And Ah. for my, and especially we're talking about children with disabilities. So for my son, you know he may have been noticed but maybe he's not known right um or maybe he's noticed and he's known but he's not really missed
0: yet and because <laughs> we have hope. right we have hope
1: yeah yes we we do have not hope. It, but, but, but it's good but to, to, to call grieve those yeah to call it what it is yep. to grieve it and then to take some practical steps forward which we'll get to in just a little bit but um, for now i'm going to move in just a little bit of a different direction yes. Tell me about how faith has intersected with your disability work. Yeah, what is yeah. your faith story? Yeah. How has it impacted what you're doing, or how has what you're doing impacted your faith story? Tell me more about that. Yeah. I,
0: I think that story is still being written, actually. I mean, the quick answer is like um, I have always had—I've always had a faithful heart, so um, I've loved the Lord always. So my faith story has you know, certainly been, um, although that's a different podcast for a different day, but um, <laughs> sure. But, um, yeah, it's an interesting story, but certainly like, you know, I always say like, um, Jesus has always sought me out. So that part, um, but my work world was always just in community settings, community organizations, public schools. So I taught at like college in a public college. So it's just always been kind of, and it really like it, I know it sounds so odd, but it really never occurred to me that the my work could be done in a, in a faith-based setting. Because, mm. and, and I guess like, and I've had people affirm, like Kara, when you're talking about community, that's, there's a there's all, that is comes from the Bible too, right? So it's not that I'm like totally yes. off, but it's just been the last. So the quick answer is I'm just learning how this all fits together for me too. So it's just been in the last five years that I've done some training in churches around how to support kiddos or adults with disabilities. I've spoken at a few um, faith-based conferences, um, and it's what's my, I hope it's okay to get the answer, but the interesting thing has always been that people will say, oh, it's a faith-based conference, but ironically, my work is the same no matter where I
1: go.
0: So I'm like, well, it's
1: because it applies in all those different contexts.
0: Yeah. So I I don't know. I mean, people, but it's pretty cute that I'm always like, it's, it's the same. It's the same stories. It's the same answer every single time, no matter who is in front of me. And um, it's, it's, it's working.
1: Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's fantastic. I love that, that we can, we can do that. We can talk about how our love for the Lord fuels what we do. And it just, it's just an attitude. It's a, it's a different mindset than, than just the, the secular world. And, you know, oh, we're, we're building skills and we're building, you know, community, we're building intentionality of being aware of others. But when we do it, because we want to share the love of the Lord with them, that puts a different spin on it. Yeah. And, and we can, we can certainly take take our work in, in any secular field. And I think we can apply it in a faith-based way as well. So that's, that's wonderful. And that, and that truly is where our hope lies. Um, So speaking of which you've, you've mentioned hope many times um, throughout the podcast, which is wonderful. That's what it's all about. So tell me what special hope do you have to offer for, for families, Mm -hmm. for people who are supporting uh, people with disabilities? What hope do you have Mm -hmm. for our listeners? That is a good question. Thank you. <laughs> uh, you
0: know what, Sarah, I guess, like, I don't know if it's, it just comes back to what I know in that. I mean, I, I guess I just think back to, if it helps just to the beginning of the story. And I talked about this little boy that I was swimming with. And my answer is just for families that could have been your son. And it, it was it was someone's son and what I have said from the beginning is I tell that story I mean I think it's a good introduction to who I am but I actually tell it because I want a mom or dad who's in my audience to know because I don't know his parents I don't know his name um, I wish I did and I don't and so I just keep telling the story because I think they need to know it that their son their daughter is changing lives and one person at a time and they, you know, their son totally changed the trajectory of my entire life and they don't know it. And so I just keep telling that story because I think that could be your son that changes someone else's life and makes it better, like way better. So that's just my great hope is they know like the power of their children in changing the world.
1: Okay, well, I'll have to go get a tissue.
0: but it's true. Oh, I just, man. And I mean, in a way, maybe it's a gift. I don't know the family's name. And because then I just am more passionate about saying, honey, that could, that's you. Right. And right right today, your son's out there doing his thing and
1: he has changed somebody. Yeah. It's kind of, well, it kind of reminds me of the, the tomb of the unknown soldier in Washington, DC that's guarded 24 seven and the, just a beautiful ceremony of the changing of the guard and, and, and guarding and and that you know we don't know who that was but every every person who has a son or daughter who is serving their country in that way yeah. you know they there's a great honor and a deep respect in, in feeling like that that could be mine you know that that could be mine that 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 represents everybody who is doing this
0: yeah. And I think that the answer that your kiddos are making the world a better place.
1: And mm. we just keep, and things are changing slowly. Yeah. They are. S- slowly. It's, change always comes about slowly, but it always comes about by people doing something about the passion in their hearts. Yeah. And I am so excited to hear about the passion that's in your heart and the work that you're doing and the hope that you're giving these families and the work that you're doing with those who are supporting kids like mine. And I can tell you that as a parent, you are greatly, greatly appreciated for what you're doing, for the outlook that you have and just, just the good things that you're doing. And so thank you. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for bringing hope to, our, to families like mine. Oh, no. We really yeah. we really appreciate it. No,
0: and thank you for the conversation. It was fun to get to know
1: you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your heart. If you would like to connect with Kara, you can find her on Facebook at facebook.com slash planning. And I'm going to spell that out for you. It is the letter M, Powered Planning. Planning, Empowered Planning. You can also find her at Instagram at Empowered Planning and Twitter at Empowered Plan probably a lot like a special hope pod you only had so many characters (laughs) to work with or you could also search for the hashtag building community with cara c-a-r-a building community with cara and of course don't forget to check out her book building community practical ways to build inclusive communities for people who are vulnerable you can find that on her website which is empoweredplanning.com. and all of these links will be made available in today's show notes so please check those out I'm your host, Sarah Brody, and this is A Special Hope. You can find our website at hopeinautism.com slash a special hope podcast. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at a special hope podcast and on Twitter at a special hope pod. You can also email me at a special hope podcast at hopeinautism.com. I'd love to connect with you on social media and hear your comments. If you're enjoying listening to A Special Hope, I would greatly appreciate it if you could share the love by rating and reviewing on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It goes a long way towards helping others find hope and encouragement in the special needs journey. Thank you so much for listening today. Have a great week. we're not far into the new year, at least at the time of this recording, we're just not even quite to mid-January, yeah. so do you have a word for the year or have you, do you buy into that? I, I'll be honest, I don't really buy into the whole, this is my word for the year, yeah. but um, I don't judge other people who do, so I'm just curious if you have, you know, is there a word or something that maybe is just on your heart, like this year I want to focus on this? Yeah. I honestly, I think I just,
0: every year I just like the Lord just is like, just in grace and trust in myself, like having grace for myself, Mm -hmm. you know, and in trusting in the, in, (sighs) in whatever comes, but just like kindness to myself and that, I mean, we, that's going to take me years, but yeah, like Mm -hmm. grace for others, grace for myself, I think is that was a theme I thought about kind of in all of that. Um, but, uh, Yeah, no, I do kind of like to reflect a little bit on it. I'm not huge about goals and things like that per se just in January, but there, you know, I mean, and I think too, you have things that kind of itch at you and you think, okay,
1: probably I need to start kind of writing some thoughts about that. So, yeah. Um, Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's not just a January thing. It's, I kind of think of it throughout the year. Like, okay, what do I need to be focused on right now? And in this season of life, because seasons of life change and they don't always change, you know, with the fiscal year. So (laughs) Um, now this is a really important question. So I want you to think long and hard about it. Yeah. Okay. Do you like coffee or tea?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to make friends with you and say I drink both. Okay. And all right. Yeah, I am open to both. And currently I'm drinking water. So there you go. But no, yeah, me I am.
1: Yeah. I'm also drinking water.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, I tea is my up, I loved your little post about your tea and I was like, "Oh, we could No, I am I'm open to all things, really. There really isn't a <laughs> beverage I don't like is the problem, so it could be in any kind of format. But
1: Okay, I see. Yeah, hot tea is my is my choice drink in the morning. That's my, you know, that's my morning coffee is my tea. And it really bothers me that there's so many t shirts about coffee and just not as many about tea. And I feel like that's discrimination and it needs to be addressed. So um, (laughs) In your spare time. (laughs) Right. Sure. I'll just take that on.